Hello and welcome to FortiGuard Live. I'm Derek Mankey and joining me once again uh, is my good friend Amar Lakani. How are you doing, Amar? I'm doing well, my friend. Always glad to be back. Yeah, it's so good talking to you all the time. You know, I, the, the good thing is I have the pleasure to talk to you every single day and and uh, all the stuff that we do on the back end is always exciting. But, um, you know, uh, what I want to talk about today and for all the viewers is really looking at, you know, now we're already past 2020. It's behind us, uh, but we're in full swing for 2021, um, you know, and looking at kind of recapping uh, the the second half of 2020. It, it was a crazy year, obviously. Um, we, we've talked about this on a lot of the episodes uh, in the past. But looking at the data that we're showing, uh, specifically with ransomware, we saw the uh, a, a specific rise in ransomware. We've seen this trend before, but it's a bit concerning because, you know, uh, in the month of December, we saw seven uh, sevenfold increases, seven times increase in all ransomware activity. And ransomware, as we know, is one of the most devastating um, threats to the industry. It can it can cripple brands, it can cripple organizations. Uh, there's millions and millions of dollars of revenue loss. In fact, the average cost of a data breach in the U.S. now has shot up to over eight million dollars U.S. And ransomware is certainly uh, ransomware and ransom techniques is the, is the culprit here. Um, so, what are you seeing out there with ransom? Well, Derek, you're absolutely right. Ransomware an increase, a big increase. You know, what's really surprising me is just the average number of payouts, the average payout percentage or price is all increasing in ransomware. You know, for years, we've been telling people, don't pay the ransom, stay away from ransomware, rely on your backups. It seems like that's not really working because attackers mm -hmm. are obviously becoming very successful. They understand that they're successful. So we're seeing more ransomware. We're seeing the asking price for the ransom higher, and we're seeing just a lot more techniques being used in ransomware. Yeah, and that, that, that's right. It, it is, it is uh, unfortunate. Um, you know, it's, it's certainly... Uh, is helping to fuel cybercrime, in my opinion, as well, too. That's something that we need to, you know, when I say we, I mean, the industry needs to get better at. And that's obviously why we do a lot of this collaboration industry to, to fight cybercrime. Uh, you know, the other thing that I'm seeing, I think we touched on this before, but we're really seeing this now, is that uh, in, in, you know, looking back in 2020, COVID was obviously uh, dominant, right? And we talked about the fact that cyber criminals were able to ride that wave, the, the fear, um, you know, capture that fear, ride on the COVID-19 lures for uh, fishing lures, um, for all, all the different themes and flavors that came with it. That lasted a long time. So they didn't need a lot of different types, uh, different uh, other delivery vehicles, other um, techniques or uh, other malware families didn't thrive too much at the start of the year. It was really a motet. Uh, which was uh, dominant. But as we talked about, there was a great takedown on that. Uh, but now what we're seeing, of course, is that there's a bigger spread. It's really the breadth and depth, the sophistication that's rising here. So it's not just a MOTEP, but we're seeing there was other uh, ransomware families that uh, really um, started to rise in activity. Um, e. Gregor, uh, Rayuk, uh, Ragnalocker, which is also, speaking of sophistication, now instead of just holding data for ransom, these are full-out extortion and blackmail techniques, right? Not, not only have we seen ransomware blackmail or extortion techniques, we're seeing that spread to like other types of attacks, like denial of service attacks with a ransomware component. Uh, a lot of ransomware components and other types of attacks. Malware itself is almost becoming like a content delivery network where yeah. malware itself, even old malware that people kind of forgot about is now being packaged as a delivery system for new malware. So it's usually an older botnet and that botnet eventually delivers a newer type of ransomware or a newer type of Trojan or a newer type of exploit kit. 
Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, exactly. In fact, that's something we saw was uh, content management. This is not new, but it, we continue to see just as a reminder, content management systems uh, themselves, file managers, uh, you know, PHP modules, these things are still uh, under attack. We talked about that work from home environment before where, um, you know, uh, uh, a lot of these systems are now accessed remotely. And of course, if they can be targeted by attackers, that can also be used as a, a distribution, um, you know, basically a launch pad for attackers. No, I think you made a made a good point when you said PHP. I tell a lot of times, a lot of people, uh, one of the major attack families I see is attacks against the PHP technology. And they're like, well, what do you mean by that? And I'm always telling them, we, well, you have to remember a lot of these websites, a lot of CMS systems, they use plugins. And most of those plugins are in PHP systems. So the individual attacks against plugins, against websites, against CMS systems, drive-by down downloads, they may have a PHP component. And that's why we're seeing like such a kind of a, a big attack uh, surface against PHP type technology. Not saying there's anything wrong with PHP. That's just the, the code that attackers are utilizing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I and mean, if we look at platforms as, as a whole, obviously, like this gets into the digital supply chain story. It's not just PHP. It's part of it. Right. But there's a lot of these platforms in use in our everyday lives. That's end to end. Right. Uh, everything from uh, endpoint software to the cloud. And um, obviously, all eyes were on SolarWinds, um, you know, in Q4, moving into Q1. Um, certainly a, a significant attack, um, a lot of things happening there. But beyond that, there was, um, it's, you know, the point is we shouldn't just be so focused on, on one attack like uh, SolarWinds. It's, it's, it's important to look at. But there's all of this other stuff happening on the back end in terms of ransomware and attacks that we're seeing, too. No, Derek, once again, a great point. Like, instead of just looking at one component, it used to be just 10 years ago. Remember, people just looked at attacks on the PC, right? And nothing else. And then we started looking at mobile attacks. Today, that's even expanded over to IoT attacks. You know, just from our perspective, just the, the broad, uh, you know, the broad width of attacks that we have is just amazing as a researcher because we get to experiment and explore so many different types of technology. But it's also scary because we're seeing the timetable of these attacks uh, when they're in like beta or before, like, you know, when we see these attacks and vulnerabilities come out to the actual exploits that are coming out much shorter. What that means is that attackers are finding vulnerabilities and they're basically weaponizing them at a much faster rate. And uh, we're seeing that normally faster than the traditional PC attacks, because I think that takes a long time, right? When you're exploiting a kernel, when you're looking for a buffer overflow, yeah. you have to like really know what you're doing and really, really, uh, you know, understand the platform and the attack um, with other types of devices like IoT devices. There's so many of them out there right now. And they all have different ways of handling security. The baseline is, is so vastly different. There's a lot of opportunity for attackers to go after those types of devices. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about IoT in a second. Uh, you know, like that. What I, what I also like to uh, on the supply chain theme. Again, people are always focused on on the attack surface and what's happening from a defender's point of view, and it's important to look at that whole ecosystem. But um, it's always in my. It, it's always beneficial to think of this, and I know you you, you do this every day, Amar. Think about this in, in the in the eyes of an of an attacker. Um, there's always an inverse model to what happens in the, in the legitimate world and what's under attack. To how are they doing this attack and how what's grinding the gears on the cyber criminals themselves, right? 
that that is the, the the you know they have their own supply chain their own digital supply chain and how can we disrupt that there's been some great wins on this so i just wanted to call that out is that um there's strategic ways to fight back against cybercrime FortiGuard labs has involved this uh in this quite heavily uh, in the industry through our work obviously with cyber threat alliance with interpol and gateway and um other partnerships through national computer emergency response teams as an example and uh, in the last episode, we talked about the takedown of a motet. That was absolutely huge, big win in the industry. But there's been more efforts since we last talked, right? And there's been a, the NetWalker takedown. There's about 30 million, 30 to 40 million associated with that group. And most recently, uh, eGregor. And this was something that was sophisticated, attacking, uh, you know, the OT sector. The, they were physically printing out ransom notes. You know, this group, it was a ransom as a service model. So they had affiliates in them. So that's that supply chain, right? The money laundering component where they had, you know, uh, tens or hundreds of people working to distribute that ransomware. And what was interesting in that takedown is that the, uh, you know, the individuals, the affiliates, the people who are distributing it, not just the kingpin and the CEO of this malicious operation, uh, were actually arrested as well. A new strategy to go after people that were, really in safe havens before. And I thought that was fascinating. Not, not just fascinating, but, uh, you know, it's a great strategy and impactful too. Yeah, I think it was a big win for the security industry. We always talk about supply chain security. I liked this time we we looked kind of like an opposite uh, you know you know point of view is we took down the supply chain for the attackers. You're absolutely right. We always hear about the takedown on the kingpin on the guys that actually write the malware. Normally, you don't hear too much about the affiliates, people that are distributing the malware, even the script kitties. Now we're starting to hear about that, and I think that's good. Hopefully, that's going to scare a little bit of those attackers that are using these ransomware as a service websites. eGregor, obviously ransomware as a service, that's what it was known for. People used to basically buy or rent that ransomware out. Uh, they usually uh, didn't have to do much work besides uh, you know, supply the victims. Now we're going after them as well. I think that's going to start start to have an impact, hopefully, on uh, for the good on other types of ransomware. Yeah, it sends a strong message back against cyber, cyber criminals or would-be cyber criminals who are thinking of signing up because they think, well, you know, I'm not going to be the kingpin of this operation, uh, so therefore I'm safe, right? Law enforcement's not going to come after me. The cybersecurity vendors are not going to look at me. That's not the case. We do that in our playbooks. You know, we're, we're working on attribution cases. We're working on doing a lot of contextual intelligence, which also maps, um, you know, this element of cybercrime too. So that's why it's um, uh, definitely important. Um, you know, some of the other things that we highlighted um, were, and this again is I think just good reinforcement uh, is that we can't let our guard down now. Uh, we've moved in 2020, we've moved to this, uh, you know, the home, uh, home, the home branch uh, office now, right? It's really like a distributed branch uh, architecture. How do we secure that? We've, there's been a lot of discussion around that. Uh, but it is a reality still, and I think that's here to stay uh, for for a while, in, in, uh, especially in its current form. And we're seeing attackers leverage that fully, right? I mean, that, that's they're right in the crosshair. Attackers, uh, you know, the number one platforms we're seeing attacked are, you know, things like uh, Microsoft Documents, as an example. Um, also, these PHP you know, on, on the server side, these content management systems that we're talking about. Those are all things that people interact from home now, or really the work from anywhere environment. They're interacting with on a daily basis. They continue to be um, targets and, and favorite vehicles for attackers, right? Yeah, so we're definitely seeing, like, you know, targets. Uh, you, you 
you know, malware distributed in files, right? And documents and files. That's always been a big thing, probably even more so now because a lot of people are using documents. We're seeing uh, malware targeting you know, for a while, like home-based routers, home-based internet edge devices. Um, you know, that's maybe where some of the PHP, some of the other attacks, HTML attacks are coming from as well because they're targeting the, the web browsers or the management systems on those sites as well. But home users, you know, for now and probably for a long time are going to be a target because that is the new branch, as you said, that's going to be the new target. And um, we're kind of in a catch-up phase in the industry on how to make sure we provide the same type of security as we did in a real office or in a more traditional, not a real office, a more traditional office. And, yeah. you know, as organizations look at technologies like SD-WAN and other types of home uh, home routers or enterprise routers and how to how to secure the home users, I think there's a little bit of a catch-up and attackers know that. So they're going to use that opportunity to attack the home users or the home branch office, as you said. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like uh, you, you mentioned the, the IoT platform. So Mirai uh, itself, we saw uh, a, dec a declining activity in Mirai, but now we're actually starting to see, I think like the, we're starting to see others take its place, right? Like the IoT platforms themselves are going to continue to be used. I, I think that's a level of sophistication that we're seeing too, right? And we talked about TrickBot before going to command and control through IoT devices. Uh, just because there's so many of them, and it's also makes them more resilient. So I think I think you know the theme is we're still going to see IoT as a large threat moving uh, moving forward this year too. Right, the decline of Mirai actually scares me a little bit because what it tells me is that now attackers are moving on to more complicated and sophisticated attacks against IoT systems. Mirai, although a game changer when it came out, is really simple compared to you know some yeah. of the concepts that we're seeing today. And you know, if we don't even look at like active malware, we started like talking about what we're seeing in message boards on hacker forums on uh, places like uh, where attackers are talking theoretical discussions. There is a lot of theoretical discussions around sophisticated attacks on IoT devices. And that is scary. I mean, someone is trying to go from theoretical to, to actual real attacks. Yeah, and as we know, these are some of the most uh, prone devices. You mentioned the consumer grade routers uh, that are being attacked on, on you know, everything from uh, DVRs. These are all um, charted, right, that, that we see in, in the top 10 attacks. Um, so it's, it's real. And and yeah, you're right. It's just a matter of time, I think, before more and more Mirai-like families. Um, there have been some in the past, but I really think that that breadth and depth is, is going to expand. And uh, it's, you know, we've seen some. HEH uh, botnet was one of them. Uh, that was a peer-to-peer -peer based. Um, so, um, you know, the first early indicators of Swarm. Uh, you know, you've heard me talk about Swarm a lot before. But that's really where it's moving towards is more uh, strength in numbers, peer-to-peer -peer mesh network topology for IoT botnets. And um, I, I really think we're going to see more activity this year. Yeah, what, what I'm really afraid of is that I'm going to be like really judged poorly by the hackers that get into my IoT devices because because they're going to see how much like I order food from the outside and the home delivery and stuff like that. And they're like, man, this guy just needs to cook a lot more at home. <laughs> There's an app for that, Amar. There is. <laughs> <laughs> or two, I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, yeah, so all, all good stuff. Is th thanks so much for the conversation. It's always great speaking with you. Um, there's always a lot to cover, but I think we hit some of the main points. So I really look forward to our next conversation. Thanks for joining me again, Mark. Hey, thank you again. This is Derek Mankey with uh, 40 Guard Live signing off.